Gotham, a crazy podcast about DC, with your host E-Rock and PD, when we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you about to get geeked up, so sit back, relax, and get comfy, lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten, coming straight out of Gotham. And hello, everybody out in the DC universe. Welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Gotham, episode 29. I got it right this time. We are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. I am your co host from the diner capital of the world. I am Peter M. Vera, and today we are recording on January 28th, 2021. And as always, we have a great show for you today. But before we get into the good stuff, I would like to remind you, all of our faithful listeners, that if you take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and we read your review on air, we will send you a special prize pack. Now, we have some sad news to report uh, before the show today. My co-host, the champion of Long Island, Eric Holzman, is missing. I have been in constant contact with the GCPD and Detective Harvey Bullock, and he assures me that they do have a lead on Eric's whereabouts. But Eric would want the show to go on. So in the meantime, let me introduce you to my guest co-host, the man who has never had to pay for a chocolate shake at the Wiener Circle, the Duke of the North Side, one third of the Vigilante 1939 podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Nico Caruso. (laughs) I can't believe you threw in the Wiener Circle thing. You're the man. Pete, how are you today? (laughs) Dude, I've been dying to go to the Wiener Circle for some time. Um, A buddy of mine showed me a bunch of YouTube videos about it and, uh, if you don't know what the Wiener Circle is, please go to YouTube, check it out, and uh, see what they do, and see, we'll just check out their chocolate shakes. Um, <laughs> I oh, hear they're the best in Chicago. <laughs> they are the best in Chicago, possibly the whole world. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm willing to agree with you. I've never had one, but from what from what I can tell, everyone loves them. <laughs> so Everyone loves them. Everyone loves yeah. them, and it's a great place, especially after the hour of 10 o'clock p.m., um, You'll have to watch it and you'll have to go there to experience what happens after 10 when you go up there to, when you go up there to order is something truly remarkable. And that's all yeah. I'll say. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying for my first experience. So hopefully one day I can make it out to you, uh, to, to see you and, and daddy bats and Zeddy and we get some deep dish. We get a Cubs game in, hopefully a Sox game and some wiener circle, all that jazz. So can't promise you I'll be at the Sox game with you, but everything else, <laughs> sign me up and we'll make it happen. I can't get you on the South side, can I? Can't do it. Can't do it. Not yet, That's brother. Cool. Well, I'm glad you were able to join me today. This is kind of a last minute thing, so I appreciate you uh, filling in the shoes for the uh, the great Eric Holzman, who is actually out celebrating Mama Holzman's birthday today. So, Oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to Mama Holzman, because without you, we wouldn't have this wonderful podcast and we wouldn't have Eric. So it's all thanks to Mama Holzman. So happy birthday and hope you have a wonderful, wonderful 2021 and many more years to come. It's tough so. shoes to fill, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. Eric is the guy, but I'm so thankful. So thankful that you thought of me and I promise you, we're going to give you a great show today. I know it. Yes. I feel it. Oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do this Guinea style. So let's just get right into hey, it. Um, yeah. So first thing right off on the top of the rundown, there is a new Transformers film in the works. Um, Patrick Totopoulos, who we all know and love from uh, his Zack Snyder, BBS and Justice League days, is a production designer. Uh, Let's see. Stephen Cable Jr., who directed Creed 2, is set to direct the film. And uh, let's see. Joby Harold has been uh, has has written the screenplay who we uh, who's actually. Uh, got Zack Snyder ties himself. He re- he just wrote uh, Army of the Dead, and he's he's been a producer on a bunch of things. Uh, John Wick three. Uh, let's see. He he wrote King Arthur and the Legend and the Legend of the Sword. So he you know he's been around. He's done some stuff. Uh, are you pumped, Nico, for this Transformers movie? Like, uh, how, how do you feel coming off? What was the last? One? I guess the last one was Bumblebee, right? Yeah, which I enjoyed a lot, and actually, Bumblebee's probably the uh transformers movie i enjoy the most i i really like the first two um for transformers reasons and for other reasons as well as you can probably assume but uh transformers one and two are are really good and then uh the third one was eh, but it's it's set in area it was filmed in chicago which was cool when i was actually down there with a friend of mine when they filmed some of it back in the day which is really cool but then i really uh tuned out when uh when Wahlberg came along um, yeah i'm with you on that 
I did not care for those with Wahlberg. They just felt weird. And then they had the one where like Optimus was like evil the whole time. And it's just rubbed me the wrong, rubbed me the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. This one, I'm initially, I wasn't, but seeing, seeing the talent sort of behind the camera and Harold on top of it, he's also doing, um, I think he wrote part of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series yes. coming to Thank Disney you. plus as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, assuming that's going to be great. I think he seems like the guy to do it. And I like Creed 2 a lot. So if an ounce of that direction comes over to this, I think it's going to be good. Um, how about you, though? I mean, I love the first Transformers movie. I think it's the best one in the series. I The second one, I don't like... I like the third one a lot. So the first and the third are really good. I still haven't seen last night, but I love Bumblebee just because like Bumblebee, Bumblebee looked like the crew, that cartoon I grew up on. So like, you know, it, it had that design. So I'm like really pumped in. It's like you said, like Creed 2, both Creed movies are great. I know Ryan Coogler did the first one, but I enjoyed Creed 2 a hell of a whole lot. And I mean, Patrick Topping, his resume speaks for itself. I mean, you know, like the, the guy is a hell of a production designer. So like, I'm just excited. And it, you kind of got like an idea of what he can do with like alien technology and stuff in Justice League, right? A little bit like, yeah, yeah. Like Cyborg. Everyone said Cyborg looked like Megatron to begin with. So like to actually give him Transformers. That just is, that's kind of exciting to me. Like I, this guy is so creative, you know, like I'm just, I'm so pumped for him. You know, I, I can't wait to see what he comes up with. He, he might actually be the one person in this movie I'm most excited about. And yeah. what was the last time you said that on a production designer, you know, in a movie? So that's true. And, and, and one thing too, that excites me too, is if I, if I read this correctly, it's, it's going to be a reboot too. So we're oh, sorry, so it doesn't have any ties to Bumblebee. No, no, no. I think I think That's this is a franchise reboot. Which so either either this is going to be a reboot and it's going to feel really fresh, or it's going to hopefully be its own thing. Because I know with the previous three and then with the Wahlberg ones, I know like the canon of the world was starting to get weird a little bit. Mm. Um, so this might be sort of the fresh game changer that uh the franchise needs i mean it's still gonna make a decent amount of money but quality wise it it looks like we're in the right direction here yeah i mean it's good it's 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 kind of weird you know not gonna have the the bay formers and everything like i i, yeah. I didn't really hate <laughs> the, the bay formers they were interesting the designs are cool i mean you know i like the mo- like i while i missed the traditional look of the cars i didn't mind the the modern interpretations and stuff. The fi- the flames on Optimus was a little bit weird, but yeah, like, it, it's, it's <laughs> weird that you, it's it's possibly a reboot because like when coming off of Bumblebee, Bumblebee was like a prequel, right? So like, yeah, I was really feeling that. Like I was I was kind of hoping too. maybe I don't know. Like I don't care. Like just retcon the hell of that thing, you know? Like X Men films, they didn't care about continuity, so why transform? No. I don't know. But yeah, this movie's scheduled to be released. Uh, you know. June 24th of 2022, uh, you know, coronavirus pending. So we'll see yeah, what right. the virus has to say about that. Yeah, the virus. But I, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, you know, I just, I just, I can't wait to be back in a theater and hear that, drum, 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 you know, oh, that, that yeah. cool Transformers noise. And uh, I'm dying for some jazz toys, man. Jazz is my all time favorite uh, Autobot Transformer in general. So, like, after Transformers 1, I didn't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, I'm not big on the Transformer toy game, but I will collect a jazz toy action figure when I see him in the store. So I'm really pumped to get some jazz figures. I really hope he's in this movie. I mean, he should be. I don't know why he He should. I think they all should be. It seems like, it seems like reboots. It seems like every reboot recently is doing everything right. You know what I mean? It's got all the right characters in it. It's got the right stories down. So I feel like this one, I, I honestly think they've learned enough of their mistakes now with what six movies in the can for transformers total um with bumblebee being like the i think the one that was received best from a critical yeah. standpoint I, so, I agree. so so i think they i think they know where they're going from here I, I think we have a lot to be excited about and like you said man i i haven't been to the theater in so long i'm looking to see these giant explosion yeah. stuff like tomorrow well, like, dude know. Dude, if you want to see giant explosions, then our next topic, Kong oh, versus Godzilla. I mean, or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever, whoever side you're on, you can put whoever you want as, as the as the headliner. But dude, that trailer. I mean, dude, that's awesome. I cannot wait for this movie. I just, I, I'm pumped. I'm not lying to you when in in the days since it's been out, I think I've watched it more than the Batman and the Dune trailer. Not because I'm not hyped on those other films, but Dude, this trailer is so dope. It's the music so, is crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. People, people, song. 
and I get it. People were sort of talking about the music and how it doesn't fit. But man, when when Dude, the beat kicks in as Kong goes, yeah. goes for the right hook, I'm like, let's go, let's go. Dude, I'm so ready for this. Dude, oh. it's a movie. None of us cared about the human stuff that led up to the right hook from King no. Daddy Kong, right? Nobody cared. So when the beat comes in and that punch connects and then he shoulders him off the boat, I like yeah. wanted to run through every wall in my basement. I'm with you, man. Like, I mean, I am just beyond, I didn't think I could get this pump for a convert. Cause like I thought King, King of the monsters was a little disappointing. Like the monster stuff itself was really good, but the movie was, was a, was a drag. The movie was boring. I think the humans, like I know everyone's, everyone used the excuse. You don't go to a Godzilla movie to see the humans, but it's kind of like the driving force. And I loved the, the, the first Godzilla 2014, like that movie. And it was kind of like the jaws effect. Like we didn't see Godzilla to the very end, but the humans yeah. really push that film and it puts you up into a corner. And then Godzilla comes out of nowhere. And then it's like, let them fight. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's you know, it's badass. And I'm just, and I love Kong skull Island. Like, I think I love that movie more than I loved Godzilla 2014. And Samuel L. Jackson was in it. And I got really pumped for that. And I thought it was just an amazing epic portrayal of King Kong. And, I mean, I'm rooting for Kong in this one. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Godzilla too, but I'm going, I'm going with Kong. I was just, I was raised on Kong. My mom's a huge Kong fan. Like when Skull Island came out, she bought me for Christmas. She's like, she's, she bought me like this 14 inch, like King Kong action figure. And she's like, well, like, she's like, I, you know, this is like part of my childhood. So I gave it to you. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I'm pumped. And like, dude, all these Kong figures, I'm going to use them as Gorilla Grodds for my flash setup. Like, <laughs> you, you have to. You have to. I. Yeah. What's funny, though, is that they made a Grodd Funko Pop for the CW a few years ago, which I have. But I pre-ordered uh-huh. five of the Pops. We got the two giant 10-inch ones. Mm-hmm. And then I got the Godzilla breathing fire and the Kong with the axe or whatever awesome okay. thing he's holding. Um, yeah. Dude, merch is going to be crazy for this one. Oh, dude, merch is going to be crazy. And you know what? I'm glad while I do want to see this in a theater and I might because ours actually open tomorrow conveniently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm really glad that this is going to HBO Max too because I think the numbers for it will be good because like people could just turn this on and go nuts. Yeah, I just – and I, I think the story is really cool. Like, I don't even like. I just it had like the little girls, the only one who could communicate to Kong, and it seems like they set up early on that Kong is kind of the hero of the movie, and Godzilla's kind of I don't know what he's doing, but he's kind of going crazy. I expect these two to team up and fight. Like, I I have no idea, Rodan or something. <laughs> no, yeah. he's coming back. But like, because I I mean I haven't seen King of the Monsters since theater, so I don't remember if Rodan died, but. Um, I, you know, I fully expect these two to team up by movies and kind of BVS style. Like, I think we're going to get one really good fight and then we'll see something, you know, like, and from what we saw, like that neon city was giving me Pacific Rim vibes. Absolutely. I mean, the production design is really cool. I don't know who's doing it, but like, I was just, I was really impressed from everything I saw. It seems like, it seems, and it's weird because it's like, man, like I'm just thinking like Warner Brothers. They gave Kong and Godzilla <laughs> solo movies before they bought, before they got these two guys before to fight each other. And then BBS, they're like, no, let's just do it. We'll just get them together. Like, it was no big deal. But, like, CGI monsters, they need to they need character development, you know? <laughs> so, and they like, have it. it and they, but it's funny because they have – they actually have some good character development. Um, I'm with you. I definitely think there's going to be either one or two fights between the two of them. One might even be a misunderstanding and I definitely mm-hmm. think – and I know some people are, are trying to say that they see this or they know or whatever. But I'm pretty sure they're going to team up to fight Mecha Godzilla at the that's end. That's right, and dude. I yeah. think that's going to be sick. And the only thing I'm worried about though is I'm with you, dude. I'm team Kong all the way. In fact, that's the rightful answer. Um, I am worried though that well, one of them is going to fall at the end. And I, I hope it's not Kong. But I the hope trailer, I- what worries me is – in the trailer, dude, Kong Daddy is whipping. I mean, he's body he the entire and trailer. Traditionally, Kong does kind of go out, like he does, he does die. Yeah. So that's why I, I think I don't think you're wrong on that. And dude, my brother has been insane with this movie. He's looking up theories and fan videos and trailer that's breakdowns. Awesome. And I'm just like, I'm like, dude, like I've never seen you this hyped for right. I love that. At the, same, at the same time, though, um, I wonder if they're gonna you know, do a little revisionist history here and, and let Kong live because 
this would technically be Godzilla's third movie and mm-hmm. only Kong's second. So maybe they want to throw him the bone in this one. Yeah. I mean, um, I just, I don't know where you go with Kong from this point. Like they never really did a traditional Kong movie, you know? And like, I, I love Peter, was Peter Jackson. Did he do the last like real traditional Kong movie? With uh, Jack Black, yeah. yeah. Good like movie, that, dude. Good dude, movie. That movie is, dude, and first of all, Jack Black acted his ass off in that movie. He did. He did. That's you a know? good movie. And I love I love the old Kong from the 80s. Like, I just, they're, they're, just, they're just, oh, it's such a classic story. And I just, you know, I mean, I, I got a feeling he's going to bite the dust. But, I mean, I'm just pumped to see it either way. I'm just, I'm really excited. And I just, when that trailer dropped, dude, I had no idea I was going to get this hyped for this movie. I didn't like, I'm really shocked. I was I'll excited, but I didn't realize it would be like this. I'll tell you what's funny is who's the most excited for it in this house is actually Daddy Batman. Um, he he woke me up on Sunday to show me the trailer. That's amazing. That's absolutely he's like, amazing. dude, you gotta watch this Kong. I've seen every Kong movie in theaters, including the but black and white version. That's what <laughs> that's what he said. He's that's like, true. yo, I've seen all these, but this one's nuts. And then like we both watched like eight times. He's Team Godzilla though, so we're battling ourselves. Really, that's interesting. Okay, he's Team, he's team Godzilla. He's a big big godzilla guy he has a couple really sweet godzilla figures down here he's gonna get the kong and godzilla ones from this mm-hmm. he was actually the catalyst i was just gonna get the regular size funko pops but he's like nick we need the 10 inch ones are you kidding me i'm Dude, not gonna- huge. he flat out said his words were i will not have a small godzilla funko pop it will not be the same size as like the flash or spider-man it's gonna That's be right. bigger well, you could use this ground yeah exactly <laughs> and it could be our gorilla ground going forward you like, know what if oh this God. is a flashpoint prequel Pete, and where they're gonna bring kong is they're gonna make him there's gonna be like a rip in the ocean and they're gonna fall through and it's gonna enter into the next pacific rim movie because <laughs> they were always trying to like make that movie like how does how did the pacific rim uh you know uh what's it called i don't know the robots fight godzilla like i remember that was the thing and it was it was tossed around for a while so i don't know yeah. who knows i mean I, I the first pacific rim i really dug i love what uh really Del Toro like Love the second it. one, not so much. Really yeah. do not like the second one. But um, no, I'm pumped for this movie. This movie comes out uh, on March 26, 2021 on HBO Max and I guess whatever theater is possibly open. So, uh, I mean, it seems like everyone's really united in, in this on this front and just wants to see this movie regardless whether you're Team Godzilla or Team Kong. Really, really, the only critique I've heard is the is the hip hop track in the trailer. But honestly, dude, I was talking oh, man, to someone. I was talking to someone, and like in one of the fights, I want like a dubstep song going like <laughs> like I'm looking, I'm looking to go crazy or like down with the sickness or something. Like I do not want to hear down with the sickness. No, I do not. Not at all. Oh, that that brings back like cheesy memories of college for me. And now it's going to give you a new one when Kong oh. and Godzilla are smacking each other around the neon I city. Hope so. I hope so. I hope. I hope. I. I. You know what? Like, I really think I'm going to make a chance to go see this in the theater. I think. I think we are too. I definitely I'm think. Really for this. I think there's going to be enough time from now till then where where we'll be able to make it work. I'll have the second round of the vaccine by then too. So. I'll be personally, I'll be extra well, safe. You. So Healthcare yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky. You picked the right career, my friend. I'll tell you I that much. I did. I did. I did. I got very lucky. All right. Well, let's a uh, little transition to somewhat of a little somber news. Uh, it's recently uh, Richard Lewis on his own Twitter account has basically told us that he will not appear in season 11 of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, I'm a huge Curb Your Enthusiasm fan. I know this is a fanboy podcast, but like, I love me some LD. Uh, and in his tweet, uh, Richard Lewis basically said, what a ride LD. I love you, buddy. Tragically these past 18 months, I've endured back and two shoulder surgeries and will not be able to be in Kirby enthusiasm for season 11. I'll be watching HBO and, uh, see you in season 12. So, you know, there's hope for the future. I, you know, I wish Richard Lewis the best. He cracks me up. He looks like my buddy, Mike Craig. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there's, awesome. that, there's that double edged sword there. I love him cause he's funny and I love him cause he reminds me of my buddy, Mike, but, uh, you know, I mean, just, are you a curb fan? Are you looking forward to season 11? So what's, so let me preface this slightly. So what's funny about me is as, as obsessed with film and TV as I am, Mm -hmm. 
the comedy shows are something I've always struggled with to commit to. Like I've never finished The Office. I've never even watched like a consistent season Wait, in a what? row. I just watch episodes, man, of Office, oh, man. of Parks and Rec. The only two comedies I've watched start to finish is How I Met Your Mother and which the series finale is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't even want to talk about it. Really? And um, Shit's Creek, which I thought was wonderful. But yeah, I will say that great. it's it's so it's so feel good. It's not it's funny. It's not overly funny, but it's such a feel good. It's such a warm show, and it has a really great ending and really great storytelling, which I like. Um, as for Curb, though, I have seen a lot of episodes, but sporadically. But one thing I do know is how much of a genius Larry David is, and he was oh, doing really a level of comedy that no one else was. And I think no one else is. I think he transcends everything you would expect from normal mm-hmm. comedy writing and creation. And I know Richard Lewis is a legend and they've been doing it forever. So even though I'm not a diehard curb fan, I want to be one day, even though I'm not a diehard curb fan, oh, man, I, I know enough about this and how important it is that I see this headline and I go, ah, oh, that's kind of a bummer. It is a bummer. I mean, I love, just like Richard's girlfriends are always like an issue on the show. Like they and they always like everybody else. They usually end up hating Larry. There was no. Oh, there was one episode where they're like trying to go to this jewelry store. Him and Larry and Richard, and they're trying to get like the same piece of jewelry. And they they both try to get there at the same time, and it just causes chaos. And then there's this one, and it's like it's stupid moments like this where, like, they have like a lunch date and. Like one hat wants to pay for the check or whatever before the other one. So they get there early so they can like prepay. But like, you know, Larry gets there like 45 minutes, but Richard's already there. And then the next time, like Richard does it and they just go back and forth with like this dumb stuff. And it's like, oh, this is me and my friends. So it's, it's so yeah, relatable. And I it's just, that. he, cr- he cracks me up. Cause he's always like, I'm a recovering alcoholic, Larry, what are you doing? Like, he's just, <laughs> he cracks me. He's, he's got a great he's, voice. Oh, the voice and the hair and how he's voice. He's like he's almost like a West Coast version of uh, Johnny Cash. He's always dressed in black. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. You know, he's the man. So I, I just I wish him the best. I hope he recovers. And oh, of like, course, he's going to be missed. He's definitely one of the highlights. You know, we, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when we when Funkman passed, and it was just like, damn, that's such a blow to the show. And because he was such a talented person, just he he adds that just just he's the perfect compliment to Larry. So it's like I know you know R- Richard didn't pass, but this is. It's sad not having him around, you know, and it's just, you know, I can't wait till the next season. So it's weird. Like, I want to see season 11, but like, I'm like, oh man, get me to 12 so I can get some Richard. Right, <laughs> right. And and one thing too is that it's sort of like when you see news like this, it makes you sort of take a step back too and, re- and reflect just how important time is and how, you know, just to appreciate what you have when you have it. Because mm-hmm. there does come a day where our wheels start to turn a little bit slower. Our engines start to break down a little bit. So you, you see something like this and you celebrate all the accomplishments that came previous to it, mm-hmm. that you see this as well and almost appreciate your own health and your own life and wish them the best going forward, you know, into the sort of last couple rounds of life as well. It's just, it's one of those weird things that while it is like a sad curb thing, it's like a, it's like a life thing you got to think yeah, about too, yeah i get you I which i think uh i think when we have all these shows on and all this content we really when a lot of these people's work and careers hits us are sort of when they get to the end and you have to stop and think oh i just can't turn on that show again because it's not here right or you know there's not going to be a season 13 or 14 of this show because we're just at that point in in life you, just like a weird thought that i just had but um you're getting I really deep like on me, you know bro. what I mean. I feel like you know what I mean. I feel like you know what I, I feel mean. You. I get you. It's a it's a little retrospective piece. I understand. You know? Of course, of course. Especially now, there's a lot, you got a lot of time to think now. You know, <laughs> there's not you can't do much anything especially else. But now. Think. Especially now, yeah. yeah. But we're gonna hop back into the fanboy game, and uh, it's been you know uh, the April solicits from DC Comics have been released, and uh, there is a new uh, mini series out for Batman called Batman: The Dark Knight. Uh, I believe it is. Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. Uh, I mean, two heavyweights in the industry right now. Tom Taylor is Suicide Squad. Uh, what else? Do you see his deceased title has been insane. All three volumes of that. And Kubert's just a legend. Him and his brother, just, I mean, just masterful artists and couldn't be more pumped. And this is uh, a Batman in Europe. He's outside of Gotham City. He is globetrotting and he ends up in England. So maybe Tom McClellan will get to see him, but 
this is an interesting look. It kind of looks very BVS nightmare esque, and uh, you know, just that Kubert Batman. He's a thick Batman. He's got that square and jaw. He looks like he's ready to brawl. You know, he's huge. I was gonna say uh, he looks like the nightmare Batman. It's with the he's got the trench coat and the goggles. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what I really like about this is it reminds me of the incorporated days when he was in Europe. I, I think it's a cool spin. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it's going to be in the UK, especially because the UK for some people always feels very Gothamy as well. Uh, yeah. It's where it's it's what it's what Reeves's Gotham I think was or yeah. is going to be. It was London. Um, they do shoot there, yeah. So I I think that's really cool, and I always like to see. I mean, one example I don't like is uh, Spider-Man Far From Spider-Man. Um, well, but I, I I do <laughs> I do like seeing the heroes sort of have to go. To other places i think it's cool i know gotham so iconic and it's basically its own character in terms of the batman lore but to see batman out of his element is always cool i'm one of those guys who yeah. loves when he's underwater with his scuba gear i love when he's in space with the spacesuit, and i'm gonna love him and i'm not digging the aliens but i'm with you underwater like yeah and right batman, <laughs> and uh, what's it called like the supergirl from krypton when supergirl first comes in and that was drawn by the great late michael turner but um you know, and he's down there in Gotham Harbor. That that was cool stuff as well as in the anime movie, Batman Superman Apocalypse. But this, like, the title's interesting to me because Kubert, uh, he drew Dark Knight 3, right? And this, and, you know, Taylor's said he was thinking of doing a story about an older Batman. He's more cynical. He's, he's you know, the, the years have weighed on him. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's a bit slower, but he's still, his mind is still as sharp. So I'm wondering if this is somewhere in the Dark Knight universe. I know Frank Miller, he did, he co-wrote Dark Knight 3 with Azarello. So I'm wondering where this fits in just between the title and how they described him. I was wondering, cause you know, he seems, and that, that again, like has kind of ties to BVS. We've already brought up the, the nightmare Batman with the trench coat. And that's kind of what Snyder was doing was that dark Knight inspired uh, dark Knight returns inspired Batman. So I was just wondering, like, what do you think? Do you think this possibly could tie into that? So you, you got me thinking that would be awesome if it was, um, mm-hmm. that's such, it's arguably, that's arguably, you know, the greatest Batman story ever for some people it is. Um, mm. I definitely think it would be cool to sort of fill in the gaps of how he sort of got there or just a version of Batman a little bit earlier than that in that world. Yeah. Um, I, I've been on record. I know you agree with this. I love the way Zack Snyder went with his Batman. So a comic mm-hmm. where I'm sort of going to get that in yeah. a way it makes sense in a way it's very human. And I do like the approach that, it's approach that Ryan Johnson took with the last Jedi, which I don't like for Luke Skywalker, but he said, you know, too often in comics or TV or film, the hero character just keeps progressing to a point where they reach like a godlike status of, um, you know, of intelligence, of physicality and of mm-hmm. emotional control that he likes seeing as they age and the world changes them actually struggle with that in some ways regress before they get to that next level. So I'm down to see a gritty older Batman on the end of his ropes. And if this is something that sort of teases or is an inkling of what we eventually see in the dark Knight returns, I'm, I'm so down for that. Yeah. I just, I'm excited. I mean, just, just the creative talent involved in this. You've got, you've got Taylor writing it. You got Cooper drawing it. You have Brad Anderson, just hot off three jokers, you know, um, Oh, hot off three jokers. So it's like, this, this seems special. It's a six issue miniseries, Uh, and it's just, I believe it arrives April 13th. Uh, and it, it has an, an exercised, uh, pr- a premier issue with 26 pages. So, uh, it just looks cool. I mean, I'm just, I'm pumped to see it. It's, you know, like it, it's when I hear about Batman going outside of Gotham, I think of, I instantly go to like Batman Europa and that's mm-hmm. a Jim Lee story. And yeah. it's like, that story was delayed and it took forever. And by, by issues end, I was like, I don't know if this is really that good. I'm not really feeling this. So like, I'm kind of like, I, I kind of get a little bit of vibes of that. Like, okay, maybe let, let, let's, let's redo this and let's, let's do fresh with a fresh creative team and let, let's kind of, you know, do something different. And there's a ton of new Batman solicits that were released uh, when they, uh, Batman issues when they were doing their solicits. So I'm like, this is one of the ones that really popped and caught my eye. And it's so different from like Batman versus Scooby-Doo, you know, like Batman versus Scooby-Doo and this yeah. like on the top of my list and there couldn't be any different. So Absolutely. I was like, I mean, Batman's all over the place, but this is the one that really is like, this is really intriguing. 
and that first and that they, they leaked the first cover so it's like big ben in the background the cape and uh, not the cape but the trench coat and i'm just dying to see what what this is all about you know like this looks different and i'm just pumped man like i love tom taylor i just, everything he's written i have fallen in love with and i you know i believe if i'm not mistaken he did friendly neighborhood spider-man a few years ago and he did one issue of Detective Comics I reviewed for Batman on film, which was phenomenal. Uh, and just, I mean, Deceased Man was such an amazing story. It, was, it wasn't it was like, you know, Marvel Zombies at all. And it's just the way it ended, I didn't expect it. And it's this whole new, like, part of the multiverse. It was, I mean, everyone you know died. <laughs> so it's like, you know, like, it was it was kind of like a Suicide Squad issue. Like, everyone was dying left and right. I love and that. The way, love that. And then wait, the way it ended. And it's like, oh, man, just... It, it, there was there were like unlikely heroes and there were just amazing sacrifices and the man just he really is captivating I, I, the way he writes and just how he how he really deals with emotion and family and stuff so i'm really excited and for this and his he's also doing nightwing so which i'm, really I'm so about. excited which Dude. i'm so excited yeah, for yeah and he he said a lot of cool things about it too so honestly you're you're right he is a must read going forward and i think having a cool Batman title and a cool Nightwing title, man. He's, he's in one of the big driver's seats for DC now. It's really cool. Oh, he's such a heavy hitter. Um, you mentioned, this isn't in the rundown. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna off topic here, Ooh, but you ooh, mentioned, you mentioned spicy. Star Wars and last Jedi, and I'm going to go even earlier than that. I just recently watched yes. Star Wars prequels and like Eric's going to be pissed because we're talking Star Wars. And he's not Oh, he's going to be so and, mad. And I'm the guy who's doing it. He's going to be really upset about this. So sorry, Eric, <laughs> but if Dude, we just don't I, tell him, it'll be okay. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, he's gonna edit the show, so he's gonna find out in, in the worst way possible. Um, oh, so no. I was wa- I, I was watching Attack of the Clones, right? And that's where and Attack of the Clones and no, what was it? Was it Revenge of the Sith? Where, that's the one. No, it was the third one where Anakin gets all dark and bad. Revenge of the Sith. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm watching that, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, and you're the perfect guy to talk to about this. I was like, this movie did, and, and like what i wanted to see in spider-man 3 better than what we got you know yeah. what i'm saying instead of having yeah. Yeah. peter parker dancing around like john travolta all emo and <laughs> saturday Night fever down like seventh avenue like i wanted his peter parker to kind of act more like anakin in that turn like when peter gets infected by the symbiote he should act more like uh christensen did in sith you know like i so like i want i want your opinion on this you're you're, you're the big black suit guy around here Oh, I'm huge. So I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I love, I love what you're giving me here because it's, it's, it's funny. It's something I never thought of till right now. You're right. I don't, I still don't understand. And I try to, man, I really try Pete. I really don't understand the whole emo Peter thing. And I don't know if it's that's if, if that's cause it's like the mid two thousands, he was trying to sell it and he was trying to like, give you a physical look mm-hmm. that Peter's quote unquote dark. I mean, oh, it was that stupid haircut. But it was a stupid haircut. But honestly, you're right. What they do with Anakin and Revenge of the Sith is so is so brilliant because his his path to darkness, it makes complete sense, right? It's out of fear. Mm-hmm. He's desperate in a way and he's really vulnerable, right? And he's mm-hmm. almost letting the Emperor and his feeling sort of guide him instead of himself, which is essentially what the black suit does to Peter. Exactly. So I was looking to see him, you're right, in Spider-Man 3, I was looking to see him more of himself. And instead of being this cocky, arrogant guy, almost being more stressed, more fearful, oh, and man, more that's... almost angry. And because the best part of the comics is that right before he gets rid of that suit and the and the animated series from the nineties does it so much. He's, he just starts becoming an animal and yeah. you know, it's because he's afraid of losing himself. He's afraid of losing MJ. He's, he's his normal fears of being Spider-Man are heightened and taken advantage of by the symbiote. So you're right, dude, Spider-Man three should, it should have been a more vulnerable, afraid Peter and, and one who's angry too. Yeah. And not, he wasn't like, angry enough. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just a douche for, for, 30 minutes yeah you said like cocky i got he just was like douche is the perfect word because it's like i don't know he's he's like that's i don't know i don't even want to call him like a it's harder (laughs) he wasn't enough of like of a real dick you know he was just kind of like goofy and loofy and he was just you know like kind of just doing whatever and there there wasn't like that real pain that the symbiote like and it's like you said the fear and the question and like the, the way like 
you know, Peter should be like, everyone's against me. Everyone's around. It wasn't really like that, you know? And no, no. You know, I just, I don't mind the jazz bar scene. Really? That scene doesn't really get, cause I feel like that was like one of the few moments where he kind of channeled it perfectly. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. always think about when he's walking around with the finger points and he walks in for the oh, new clothes, God. the clothes would have worked if he wasn't looking so goofy, you know? Yeah. And that's where it was. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching Christian and like the, in Christian's eyes, like as the oh, movie progresses, dude. he just kind of gets like, he gets, he has that like tired look and his face almost looks like, almost looks like a uh, Palpatine. Like his face it looks yeah. wet and milky. And like, and I was like, Oh man, like <laughs> the whole time I'm like, this is what I wanted in spider-man 3 and this, yeah. and like I, the, I, the first time i've ever watched those three movies so like I, and i did I, you know i did that for eric because i know he's dying to talk some star wars on the show and of course we do it when he's not around we but... do when he's not here <laughs> we were bad co-host we man We've been talking about it. straight out of tantooine is coming man i'm telling straight you out um, tantooine, straight out of coruscant straight out of most Eisley, all of it it's all he coming. gets mad at me i would say like straight out of alderaan he's like dude alderaan's blown up dude like, it's gone man <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's like straight out of it, man. Straight out of a crater. Um, Great question, though, Pete. Great question. Yeah, and it's just like, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm like, has anyone thought of this? Like, this is what I wanted in that movie. And like I said, I just recently binge watched all three of them. And me personally, I was like, man, Phantom Menace is badass. Like, I love it, that movie. It ages like a fine wine. And I told you this. I genuinely love nine of the 11 Star Wars films. And I do think Attack... Uh, the Phantom Menace gets panned a lot when it, it actually like the last 40 minutes of that movie are epic and you know, and the score in that movie, the duel of the fates that the song, when they fight the bum, 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 bum. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a legendary song. And I could actually on a separate podcast, I'll get deep with you on what that song actually means. Um, but that movie's great. And I and I definitely and and what and one more thing I'll always say is the prequels have the best and most cohesive story of the three trilogies, even though the second movie is a dud, at least there's something and the scripts aren't particularly great in terms of dialogue and stuff, but there's one cohesive story that's told the whole time, whereas yeah. And people like to argue this, but it's true. The original trilogy was the original trilogy was sort of they made some things up as they went. You know, mm-hmm. that's why Luke kisses Leia, and then she ends up being his sister five years later. Yeah, it's so, like Godfather yeah. Three. When exactly. Andy so it's like it's fine. Exactly. They've done this in movies before, and um, we know with the sequels what happened. They really made those up as they went, and that was their downfall. So that's why I respect the prequels, and I think Revenge of the Sith is a really nice payoff because a lot of the stuff they lay, a lot of the breadcrumbs they lay come to fruition in that movie. For me, what really like as a casual star Wars fan, what really got to me about why I liked Phantom Menace the most of the other two is it's a straight two hour movie. The other two are two and a half hour movies. And like, don't worry, I can sit through wonder woman, wonder woman 84 BVS. I'll sit through Snyder's justice league. But like that's those are my guys. Like that's my stuff. Like Dark Knight. Like I got no problem sitting through those two and a half hour movies. But for Star Wars, at some point that extra half hour just kind of drags, and that's kind of why I was like, "Yo, Phantom Menace is awesome." <laughs> it was right. it was Let a quicker me, movie. I'm gonna give you this then, and and I'm I'm just gonna tell you because you liked Episode One a lot. So here's here's actually something that Dave Filoni said, and he said he said it to George Lucas one time, and I'm not sure if it's what earn Lucas's respect for him or whatever, because Dave mm-hmm. Filoni is pretty much George Lucas's heir in terms of the lore, in terms of the mm-hmm. knowledge. That's what I've heard. But, so the song that plays is called Duel of the Fates, and it's probably one of the most iconic Star Wars songs that there is. And when you when you hear how he describes at least what he thinks the song means, it makes the movie so much more better and so much more tragic. So what Duel of the Fates is and why it plays when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon is fighting are fighting Darth Maul is because it's, it's the duel of Anakin's fates. It's, it's, it's the battle for Mm -hmm. where, for where Anakin's going to end up. So the Jedi were weary of Anakin because he was older and he was emotional and he had fears and his connection to his mom and the Jedi don't believe in that. But Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson was the expert in that. He knew how to work with that. Mm -hmm. So he was the ideal teacher for Anakin, not Obi-Wan. So that's called Duel of the Fates because if Qui-Gon Jinn dies, Anakin eventually will be lost. Like Anakin eventually is going to go the other way because that one person who can control and help guide his feelings isn't there. 
And it's even more tragic because Obi-Wan takes him on as almost a promise to Qui-Gon and you see how even he isn't enough. So when you think of the duel of the fates, there's literally like two or three ways it could go. Whereas if Darth Maul wins, Anakin's going to die. If Obi-Wan dies, but Darth Maul dies too, Qui-Gon lives, that's fine. But if Qui-Gon dies, that means Anakin going dark becomes so much it, it does become possible where it wouldn't have and that's why i think about that now and every time i watch the phantom menace it's it's a better movie to me and that's why it ages beautifully because it's tragic it's tragic dude you're gonna make her cry he's so upset he's not here <laughs> I, <I'm> so- <laughs> dude it's great but it's great and it's it's funny because like hey liam neeson like you know if liam neeson was around to train anakin like he was bruce wayne it would have been a different world, man. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It all comes from a certain – dude, like I was sitting there and I was watching. I was like, man, this guy's like fanboy gold. He's just like a trainer of heroes. <laughs> trainer of all of, them, yeah. of all of them, man. It's, it's, so, it's, it's gorgeous. But yeah, no, I just – I had to – I was like, man, I, just, I, well, I had to ask you that Spider-Man question. And I'm glad That's I did it on a podcast. Question. I'm yeah. glad I did it on a podcast and not on Twitter because on Twitter, I mean, I would have conveyed it, conveyed it as well as I did. As, and, oh, and, you know, I, did, I did it horribly right now. So, you know, uh, you, you <laughs> just, did wonderful. I'm just, I'm just glad I was able to talk to you about it, but um, yeah. And I was just like, man, like this is, oh man, Spider-Man three. It still sticks with me. The first 40 minutes of that movie are gold though. I'll, I'll, gold. I'll stand by that. That's Sandman stuff. And you, that's where Raimi's heart was. And you could obviously see it. Um, recently, uh, uh, Joel Kinnaman, Rick flag himself was on the playlist podcast promoting his, uh, new film uh, brothers by blood. And they, they were talking about a bunch of stuff. And as we promoted his movie, a suicide squad came up and the suicide squad came up. So uh, he said a few things and he's just like, uh, basically about uh, the air cut. He's just, you know, you always want to see the filmmakers cut, you know, it's always, there's always some, it's always, sorry. It's always a shame when the filmmakers vision doesn't make it to the cinema. Of course, there's always going to be some compromise. I feel like, it's the the bigger the budget, the bigger the compromise. Usually that's the case. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, like that's, and I feel like kind of fandom recently has kind of felt a little entitled, you know, certain sectors of fandom. Uh, you know, I know the Snyder Cut's coming and, and those guys feel like they won and they championed it, you know? So it just, and it feels like everyone seems like a hashtag is kind of the way to go about things. And you have the air cut, you have the Schumacher cut. You know, I've seen Mark Webb, the Mark Webb cut of oh, Spider-Man yeah, 2. Yeah. Raimi Spider-Man four. And it, I feel like fandom's kind of a little bit entitled and reason like uh, Manganiello just said, Hey, look, man, like I had seven directors lined up for Deathstroke and sometimes it doesn't happen. You got to move on. Yeah. While, I, while I wish that he did, while it did. And, you know, Kinman even said like, you know, I think that, you know, Ayer's take on the Joker would have been something if we actually got a chance to see it, but we didn't get to see it. So I'm just, um, where do you stand on this whole air cut thing? And like, I mean, I mean, I want to see it. So I'm pretty sure you do as well. I mean, like, I don't, I can't imagine anybody who doesn't want to see a director's cut of a movie that we've for the most part already do like. Yeah. I it's, it's, it's weird. Cause like I do. Right. So I'm, I'm actually in the, probably in the minority here. I, I do like, you know, suicide squad to an extent. I think the character work is really good. I think some of it's fun. I think the mm-hmm. set pieces are cool. Some of the action's awesome. Yeah, the story with the Enchantress is a little blah, and what they left in for the Joker, I didn't really particularly like. But you know, I I do that first Comic Con trailer, a Suicide Squad, is amazing. One of the coolest trailers I've ever seen, and yeah. that's totally not the movie you get. No. So I mean, just like the Snyder Cut, I just want to see it. Um, I'm not as you know, I'm not as into it as I am for the Snyder cut. And of the few things you named, I would rather see some of those things over the air cut. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, if it happens, it happens. I'm just, I think the Snyder one had a lot more, you know, going for it. So that's why they're doing it. I don't know if we'll ever see the air cut. I would it's like just weird because I think the air cuts more complete than Snyder's movie was that. And that that's the part that kind of bothers my mind. That, that's you're right. And that is the weird piece of it too. So, I mean, yeah, I want it, but it's funny as it does feel like the little brother to the Snyder cut though, which is, Mm -hmm. which is funny. Um, you know, and, and instead of, I guess it's different because the, the Snyder cut and justice league, as we know it now, while some of the heroes, you know, are still getting their own solo films, it, it, it kind of died. You know what I mean? Justice league. 
Whereas the Suicide Squad is getting a full blown. I mean, I, I still believe it's a sequel. There's there's half the same cast. Well, here we go. This, soft, this, this soft is where it leads to. Yeah. So I got another quote here, and because I know you, you and Cam Kowalski are big on reboot. Producer said this, blah blah blah. Like I know you guys are big on that stuff. But he goes, with James Gunn, it's a whole new universe. It's a completely different thing. He's like, we just started with a blank slate. It doesn't feel like we're doing a sequel in any way. It's a strange kind of middle ground reboot, something in between there. So it's like, even Kinnaman is kind of like towing the line. Like, it's in the middle. It's different. It's a blank slate. Like, he said, like, three different things there. So I'm like, and I'm I'm of the group where I'm like, I actually don't care. Like, again, I said earlier in the show. Yeah. Fox movies for X-Men have no continuity at all. They made it up as they went along. I just want you to make a good movie. Yeah. So, and even later on in the, in, in this podcast and definitely check out this interview guys. Cause uh, on what's it called the playlist podcast, it's really good. It's about the Kinnaman stuff's like the first, it's like an hour podcast. The first half hour, they talk about Kinnaman and then he's on it for like the last half hour. And that's really good. That's where you want to listen it's to really the last good. half hour. It's really good. But even like Kinnaman's just kind of like, he's like, it's weird because they let Gunn do whatever he wanted. They didn't give him any restrictions. They didn't hold him back at all. And they kind of cut David's movie to, to hell. So it's like, it's it's weird how reactionary Warner Brothers can be. And it's funny because like Ayer's movie got cut because of Zack Snyder's movie. And that's it, like the guy had no control, which is even kind of weirder to me because it's like, well, it's not his fault. You're basing somebody, you're basing his movie off somebody else's. And, you know, you know? and that's a big reason and I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna, I was going to get to that, and that's why we're like a match made in heaven here, Pete. I, his movie, the only reason that there wasn't an air cut, it's like Snyder's fault. <laughs> it's Snyder's yeah, fault in so a weird like, way. I felt really bad for Air, and I actually feel more bad for Air because he made, he got the sort of freedom that Gun got, and then they came in and said, um, none of this. Yeah, and like then, 11th hour, they took it all away from right? him. Right, and and so that's why I I really would like it just for him, but I feel like his would be more of like, a, I don't know, his might be more of like a Blu-ray or a DVD you get or, I don't know, a YouTube release. Uh, I mean, if they're, if they're pushing know. this, if they're pushing HBO Max, I just figure it's a streaming service thing, right? They're, yeah. they're, they want subscription True. money. I just don't know how they put it out with guns. I, I just don't know how the unless they wait till after, which would really have that fall to the to the well, back. It's like what you said earlier, like you know, like Snyder's is kind of dead, so it's like, all right, well, his his time is come and gone. But like exactly. you know, but Harley Quinn, like the Birds of Prey movie, is kind of a quasi sequel to Suicide Squad. Like there are scenes directly from Suicide Squad in Birds of Prey. So and then it's so it, it's kind of. It's kind of confusing and like, but then again, like, I don't know, we're talking about the same studio who rushed superheroes, but gave Kaiju, you know, a five film off. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't know if Warner Brothers knows what they're doing either. So I, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's baffling what they do and some of the choices they make, man. But I, I, I mean, just... I'm pumped for the Suicide Squad. I'm pumped for Peacemaker. I like James Gunn. I think... I, I know a lot of people on Twitter get upset and they think this is going to be like Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this movie be, will be more in tone with Slither. I think it'll be that kind of ridiculousness. That's like a that's that's more mature that's oriented content. And it's it, it, Slither is like has done for like alien invasion zombie movies, yeah, stuff that nobody's ever really thought of. And it, and it's it's really crazy. And you know Elizabeth Banks is in that, and she's she's just. Absolutely beautiful. She's, she's and Michael Rooker, who is I think isn't Michael Rooker in Suicide Squad? He's a he's a savant. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, like he's one of those guys who just, he's like it's like Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Like he that's his guy. He's in all his movies. So absolutely. I'm just have you um just kind of just kind of speaking of this because I definitely think it's what it's what, what Gunn's trying to what Gunn is doing is I think what the Suicide Squad films or a show or whatever should be. Have have you read uh the Future State Suicide Squad? Yes, I did. I did. I, I dug it. I thought it was tight. <laughs> I thought it was tight. It's so weird, but it's so different. And dude, like that last panel got me pumped too, because you know it's some of the characters we're gonna see in the movie. So I'm gonna get to read about some of them. And I read pretty much all of Ostrander's run. And even though some of it feels dated, there's a lot of um stuff with russians in there because you can tell when it was written i just recently read <laughs> ostrander i think it was uh, what was it it was oh man i can't remember it was an eight issue suicide squad run i forget what it was 
but it was pretty good. I, I dug that. And I mean, we mentioned Tom Taylor earlier. He did this really good Suicide Squad run. I think, I think that was about eight issues as well. And <clears throat> Can I tell from, you? Like, Deadshot was dead and he didn't yeah, die. It was, yeah. It was great. yeah. So. Can I tell you what I hope we get in um, in James Gunn's because he said No, it. Nico, shut up. No, so, please. <laughs> <laughs> because it feels like uh, Shriner's run is I definitely – because what Kinnaman did say is there's going to be some like really profound emotional scenes as well. Mm-hmm. I really hope we get a little uh, flashback to Rick Sr. and young Amanda Waller because I always forget Ooh. this. And a lot of people, I, I feel like it should be talked about more. But dude, Amanda Waller is from Chicago. She's a Chicago she? project. Okay. Yep, she grew up so, in the you- Chicago projects and she learned how to fend for herself and fight for herself. And that every She's time I – Right. Every time I remember that, I go, frick yeah, Waller's from Shy. So I really almost hope that they tease a little bit of Rick Sr. and a little bit of a- Would you think that's Sly's role? I I think it's Sly's role. It makes sense. He looks the part. Some people think he's the voice of King Shark, though, which I would also think is brilliant, even though I'm still holding out hope. I've heard rumors that he's the voice of Starro. So, oh, he's the voice of Starro. I've heard rumors. I, I think it's more in line for King Shark, but like, I, sh- whatever, get Sly in a movie. You yeah, know? Dude, I, I think it would. I think it, <laughs> Rick Waller. I, I, I really think it would be cool if he was Rick Senior, though. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm pumped. Uh, you know. I, I just I like I like James Gunn. I know he had his whole like Twitter incident and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's whatever. Uh, of you know, all the everyone makes bad know. jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a guy who makes bad jokes all the time, but you know, it, things Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna do a little shifting here. Going to the CW Black Lightning season four. They just debuted a teaser trailer. Uh, did you watch it? What did you think of it? Have you been watching Black Lightning? What are your so, thoughts? So I'm going to answer this in three parts. One, I saw the trailer. looks really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I don't haven't watched a lot of Black Lightning, but he was one of my favorite characters in Crisis on Infinite Earths, especially mm-hmm. his scenes with the Flash. And mm-hmm. he sort of they sort of have that deep conversation of like what, like what it means to be a hero and what it means to do these things. So, you know, it might be one of those shows I've heard great things about it. A friend of mine, Alex, he he really likes it. I see you talk about it. I might, I might check it out before the last season because this Mm -hmm. is the final one, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the show. I tell everyone, I think, I think as of right, this is probably the best CW show right now. Uh, three seasons worth really good. I mean, it just really ties into current events. It, you know, it's really, it, you know, inspired by, you know, uh, the black lives matter movement and stuff like yeah, that. So yeah. it's, it's very grounded. It's, it, it's, it's the most intense CW show that I've ever, uh, that you've ever watched. I think that the fighting and the choreography is more in tone with daredevil than it is with the CW. And that's crazy. You know, that really? it, it, wow. uh, dude, the fight, the I fights are amazing. The special effects are amazing. This show is like everyone complains that the CW is a little bit like popcorn and bubblegum. This show is not popcorn and bubblegum. This this show is gritty. It's real. It, and, it, and it hits home. And it's got that family element to it. You know, the Jeffersons are a, a superhero family and his daughters get involved. And it's and he's he's inspiring young kids. And he's just he's giving back to the community and also saving the world. Or it's, Well, he does save the world and he's saving Freeland as well. So I just I, I love the show. I was surprised at how good it is. I wish more CW shows were written like this because I, I just flat out it's I there hasn't been a good a, a, as good of a season of CW show since I say Flash season two that's how yeah. good this has been wow um, all right and it's just stellar no you got you got to watch it and it, it's really good and dude that his suit in the first like two seasons is awesome it's so great but it's funny because it's like this guy's hiding around in dark corners but he's got this light up suit I mean, I don't care it looks awesome he's got this but, sick like lightning bolt going on the chest yeah here. yeah and the trail yeah, looks cool he looks like he's kind of lost his way a little bit and he's trying to figure it out as he goes along and so I'm, it looks like it's setting up for an epic epic conclusion so I'm really pumped for for Black Lightning the final let season. me I, let me ask you a question were were there repercussions from it from Crisis. Yes, there were. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like and they, they addressed them and they did a good job of addressing nice, them. And nice, it, nice. It's, it's, it's interesting seeing it happen in real time. You know, there's, there's probably like, there's the crossover. Black Lightning didn't have a crossover episode, but the, but the, but the crisis affects like probably a solid two, two and a half episodes of the series in, in season three. 
Okay, so well, it, it, ha- it has effects, and and it's noticeable. Like you know, the red skies and everything, and his daughters are really involved. And uh, you know, just uh, lightning has a really emotional scene as she's battling herself while the crisis Very is cool. going on. So it's good, man. And like I t- hey, the writing is absolutely phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I just I'm, I'm sad it's going. You, uh, dude, I'm telling you, you got to watch it. You, you really, you really got to get into it. Uh, the last thing we're going to get into uh, is actually breaking news. This just breaking. happened today. Breaking news. Tim Drake has been cast and is joining season three of Titans. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but I think it's Jay like Kurgo. He's been cast. You got it. You got it. Is that it? Boom. Yeah. Take that. Justin, Justin loves (laughs) their parents words or names. So Jay like Kurgo's cast is Tim Drake. Uh, I mean, I'm pumped for this. I I like Titans. I'm into Titans. Also, he's, he's also one kid in the, I guess the, face paint group at the end of the Batman trailer with Zendik. He is. Yep. Yep. I'm Zendik. And it's funny because like I've heard rumors of people saying that that kid is cast as Robin in a future the Batman sequel. So I'm saying to myself as this news breaks, I'm like this sounds like a bad game of telephone where like he is cast as Robin but in Titans. Like he seems like he's like a Warner Brothers DC guy. So he's staying in house uh, with HBO now. So it's I mean I'm pumped to see Tim Drake in Titans. What about you? Now we're getting our third Robin. I'm so hyped. Um, I love Titans, even though I know that it's not perfect. And I know that the second season has a lot of problems, which I will, you know, I, I acknowledge, mm-hmm. but I love the cast. I love a lot of what they try to do. But the thing that I think is objectively, which is going to sound cocky, but I think one of the things that is objectively done well with Titans is the Batman lore. I think that Todd's done really well. I think Grayson's done very, very well. And I liked Ian Glenn's Bruce Wayne. I I really did. I know there's the one episode where he's weird and he's sort of, he's a projection of what, but it, Exactly. In that episode, he's like a projection from Dick. He's not really Bruce playing Bruce. So, But when he is allowed to be Bruce, I think he's really good. I love the casting. One thing I've always praised Titans for is the way that they cast. They're so diverse, and they cast in this really great way. They did it with Jericho, played by Chelloman, who's someone who, Rose is, as well. who is transgender. They had Rose. They, um, they do the thing with Gar. Um, and then I think this casting of Tim Drake in a weird way. And I saw a shout out to Josh Lagern, who he said this in response to my tweet. Um, it, it like, I look at him and I go, yeah, he's Tim Drake. Like, like it, he really looks like a modern Tim Drake. It, 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 it feels right to me. I think they're going to knock the, the stuff out of the, out of the park. And so, I'm, I'm hyped. Jay has this really funny tweet and he, he retweeted, uh, I believe it was, one of the articles, I think, I believe it was deadline and his tweet goes, I ain't no crying thug no more. I'm the best detective in Gotham. I am Tim I Drake. That. See I you season three fandom love. And first of all, I'm like, I didn't I... know people were calling him the crying thug. <laughs> like, I, I just that. assumed it was rain. I didn't think the kid was tearing up, but you know, I mean, Hey, if, if I just watched the Batman kick the crap out of that dude, I I'm probably pissing my pants. Dude. I, <laughs> I love that. And, and I just think it's cool. He's in two Batman type projects, right? Like it's cool that he's, and, and, and what's funny is he claims he actually has a role in the movie. He said, he's not just like young skeleton thug three or whatever. He says, I actually have like a role in the film. So the fact that he has that, and he's going to play Robin on Titans is is really is really dope to me. What if Titans is like the future state of the Batman? <laughs> now we're jumping down like fanboy conspiracy rabbit holes, but like it's just th- this is the fun part about this stuff is the speculation and the guessing, you know. Can Ian Glenn play an older Pattinson? Yeah, he can. I'm, I'm right? a dude. I would. I would. I mean, the dude's a great actor. I I, I wouldn't put it past him. I would. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's one of the future states. Yeah, I, uh, dude, I, I think it's cool. I, here's here's what I like about Titans that some people don't, and the people who don't, that's completely valid. I like when stuff has I, – I like when my content has consequences, and consequences aren't always, you, you know, just cause and effect. Time is a consequence, right? Time keeps moving and people age, sort of like I talked about with the curb stuff. I like seeing a world where, like, the heroes – have to sort of hang it up at some point mm-hmm. and these younger ones are actually what's left. Yeah. 
And I like seeing like a Nightwing that's almost 30. You know, I like seeing Adana Troy, her, even though she ages different, I like seeing her 30. I like seeing Hawk and Dove in their mid thirties. You know what I mean? It's while they're being a new wave of younger Titans as well with these new abilities. So I, if, if, if this was sort of a future state in some ways, it already is a version of a future state of the DC universe. I really, I, I, I like the whole, it's realistic that, you know, if Dick's 30, the Bruce would be pushing 60, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I dig Titans. I, I, I don't, I don't think that the show always sticks the landing. Their season finales haven't been the strongest, Um, but you know, I, I, Brian Edward Hill's a friend of the show. He's been on the show. So, you know, I, I love supporting him. I love his comic books and everything. I just, sometimes Titans just feels like they're trying stuff out on the fly, you know, like, yeah, the, the Eng- I, I remember like there was, there's photos floating around of like Dick and Jason and a, and a different Batman and it, it was like scratched and then Ian Glenn came around. So like, but you know, for the most part, I really do dig the show. Like I can't, I can't really complain. I'm, I never thought I would see live action Starfire. Like, I'm sorry. I never thought, or, or the changeling AKA for the old school comic book fans, beast boy. Like I never thought these guys would be on the show. You know, I just, not on the show, but I just never thought we would get this show. You know, I just, I, we have a hard enough time getting Robin in a movie, you know, like we, we, we got, we got, we got Chris O'Donnell in two, then we got uh fake Blake, you know? So it's like, I'm like, I'm like Hey, at least, at least we're trying stuff. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. I, I think he's going to look cool. Um, yeah. and I think the dynamic between the, the four of them actually, cause I forgot we're going to get Oracle too. We're going to get back. Right, she was just another, well. another great casting. Cause it's someone who has a real life exceptionality. I see. I, 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 I just love what they do yeah. at least behind the scenes at Titans. You're right. They don't always stick the landing, but they try some cool stuff and some of it lands. And one thing I will say is I don't think any person on that show the writing for them and the development for them is one thing, but from a, from a casting standpoint, I think they nailed almost everyone. Yeah, they did. And you know, they, they, they gained a lot of attention. They got the F Batman line in there early on in season one. And yeah. you know, and the stuff with Rose and Deathstroke and Jericho was just absolutely amazing. And I mean, the slave family great. just oh, it's great. really represented so well. And I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond happy that we have this show and I'm just, I'm pleased that we're getting three seasons. That's, Three seasons more than I ever thought I'd get, like I said earlier. So I'm just pumped. And, uh, you know, just I can't wait to see what else they have in store. You know, like this is this is just some cool stuff, man. I mean, it is, I, dude, I, you're younger than me. But, I, dude, there was a point in time when, like, <laughs> all you had were Batman and Superman. And, oh, dude, uh, of course. It, it, we are so far from that. And I just, I just can't be happier that we have just content in general. Content, you know? so much. Live action content. I'm not even talking about animated stuff because we've been animated stuff our whole life. So, And this the suits good. and the costumes all look great on the show too. So I can't wait to see what sort of new oh, Robin yeah. costume they give him. I, think I hope they really lead more towards one year later just because it seemed like Jason's suit was very, very similar to Grayson's, you know? So yeah. I, I hope kind of hope it's they really go all red. One thing too, though, I'm all aboard on Titans, but they got to bring back my girl Donna Troy. That was terrible what they did. I, hope, dude, I love seeing Aqualad like, for like I, the one and a half episodes. He was, was great, man. That suit was fire, bro. They got to bring. Yeah, I would have him come back too. And then, dude, at some point, I would love a Wally. I would love a Roy. I would love a. Yeah. I would love a Calder Aqualad. Like, just give me everyone. Like, I don't care I, if it feels too crowded. I want that, everyone. I got a feeling that Wally is going to be held uh, on the back burner for a little bit because of Flashpoint. I just yeah. got a feeling. It just seems that Flashpoint seems like a movie where they're throwing everything and anything possibly at us. So I don't know if we're going to get a Wally so soon because I got a feeling flat that Flash the Flash show is going to end. Flashpoint's going to take over for a little bit and they'll concentrate on that. But um, we'll see what happens. But I'm pumped for this. Hey, dude. This has been a blast. Dude, it was um, amazing. Thank you so much. I'm happy to have you on anytime. I'm so upset that we got to talk Star Wars without Eric. He's not going to be happy about that. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> we'll do that. We will but, do uh, it soon. I promise. I promise, Eric. We, it's we birthday week for Mama Holzman. He's got priorities. Shout out to Mama Holzman. She's a legend. So, Nico, please plug yourself away, my friend. Absolutely. All right. So you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nico Caruso. That's at N-I-K-K-O-C-A-R-U-S-O. You could also follow two podcasts i'm on um one is the vigilante 19 
1939. That's at Vigilante 1939. I do that podcast. It's a DC leaning podcast with my father and with a very good friend of mine for years, Mr. Zeddy Nicholas Zennick. Go listen to that. Eric and Pete have both been on it. They're going to be on it again very, very soon, but they don't know it yet. Um, I also do TV and film reviews and some comic reviews uh, for the Let's Go podcast. I'm currently doing Future State Nightwing, Future State Suicide Squad. And then I just have written reviews for One Night in Miami. And Mr. Zednick and I also have a film and TV podcast for the Let's Go podcast called Let's Go Marquee. And we got a lot of cool stuff coming up in the next week. We're going to have, we each got into virtual Sundance. Uh, The Sundance Film Festival went virtual this year. So we're both seeing six movies, some same, some different. So we're going to cover those. And then next week, are the Golden Globe and the SAG nominations come out. So we're going to be reacting to those. And um, yeah, that's it. A lot. I'm sorry, but there's a lot lot on here. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here, but thank you so much. It it, it was an honor. It was fun. I know we got to talk Star Wars with Eric, but you, me and daddy bats got to talk some sauce and some Spider-Man soon. too. We got, we got to get that podcast going. It's going. The, Ita- the Italians for Proper Spider-Man Coalition. Coalition. Follow uh, that. Follow that on Twitter. Italians for Spidey. Uh, please follow uh, the champion of Long Island, Eric Holzman, at Final E33, spelled Finale 33. Uh, you can follow me personally on Instagram, Twitter, and Zach Schneider's favorite, Vero, at Pete Illustrated. Please follow our show pages on Instagram and Twitter, straight underscore O underscore G. Follow our Facebook accounts. We have a Facebook page, Straight Out of Gotham. We have a Facebook page group, uh, also called Straight Out of Gotham. You can check out my reviews of Detective Comics, Action Figures, and Dark Dark Detective, Future State, on BatmanOnFilm.com. Please rate and review this show on iTunes and Apple Podcasts because we have a monthly contest. Uh, This this month's prize is a hardcover edition of uh, The Punisher, Volume 3, by Garth Enos. I think I, I think that's his first name. I'm sure Justin will correct me on that one. Uh, that's the third Justin name reference of the show. Um, yeah. For Nico Caruso, I am Peter Vera. Thank you for listening to Straight Outta Gotham. Booyah.